Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having a great, great, great start, middle or end of your week. I'm really excited about this week's guest, who is Mr. Alan Brower. So if you recognize Alan's name, uh, he's the co-founder of Best Self Co., a Forbes 30 under 30 winner, and the only person to have won Shopify's build a business and build a bigger business competitions consecutively, which got him private mentoring from Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Marie Forleo, Damon John, and a number of other incredibly inspiring mentors. Uh, So Alan has built successful businesses. He's, He's done really well. He's changed his life. And he was also one of the first guests that we ever had on Stay Grounded. So Alan's one of my best friends in entrepreneurship and life, and he was one of the first people we brought on, and he shared a lot about his journey in that conversation. But I wanted to bring Alan back onto the show because there's so much that's changed in his life. Uh, So Alan is a recent new dad to a beautiful baby girl, and uh, so much has changed in his life in business and what what matters most to him and What I love about this episode is learning from Alan how he's learned to juggle business while being present with his daughter. And this whole conversation was a powerful reminder of the importance of creating harmony in your life, right? A lot of people will tell you to go all in on business and all in on family, and there's no right or wrong answer. And most people are striving for balance in life. Well, after this conversation, I've realized that balance is BS. I don't think balance can be real if you're trying to live an extraordinary life. Sometimes certain areas of your life are going to require more attention than others, but learning to accept that and dance within the chaos is something that Alan has done beautifully, and I can't wait for you guys to dive in and to learn from the brilliance of this man in everything he does. So I hope you enjoy it. But before we get started, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your tool is for listening to podcasts so that every time we release a new episode, it drops straight in your phone, your app, uh, and whatever you use. And uh, let us know what you love about this episode and the reviews on Instagram, however you choose to give feedback. Like I said, this episode was chocked full of inspiring advice and perspectives from somebody who has done everything in business, but then now is trying to do everything in family and watching him juggle both is, uh, is why I love Alan. So anyways, but without further ado, here is my good friend, Mr. Alan Brower. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. Girl having a fantastic day. I am, uh, Super excited to be looking at this guy across the screen. What's up, my man? What's happening, dude? Dude, I am just so excited to have you back here. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Alan, but Alan was 
one of the first guests we ever had on Stay Grounded. So lots has happened, lots has changed, and uh, I love you all the same, Alan. So super Thanks, excited. Man. Lots has been going on in your life too. So I'm really excited to dive in and go down the rabbit hole and and, and extract some of that wisdom that you've been holding deep inside that cranium. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, we can crack it open. <laughs> but, all right. So uh, first question I had for you. One, you're a new dad. I and, am a new dad. And so the first question I personally had for you, Alan, is you're one of the only people I know in my life personally who I was really close friends with before you even got married. And then you got married. And then now I'm even better friends with you, but now you, you're a dad. So how has your own mindset with entrepreneurship changed throughout the cycles of life that kind of happened with you just growing older? So I want to say that like that entrepreneurship is really fluid. There's a bunch of like phases that will show up in your life and you will actually go through those phases all the time. And you'll stay in one phase and then you'll be in a transition phase. And then through that transition phase, then you'll stay in another phase. And what I mean by this is you'll live in a state of certainty and just like stability. Then you'll transition to a a state of uncertainty and stability. But then you'll also transition to a state of like chaos and like not knowing what's happening. And then you'll transform to a state of uh, and be in a state of massive growth and like pushing outside of your comfort zone. So since I started business, I have experienced all of those different phases and now I'm coming back to the beginning. So it's interesting that you uh, asked me that question now because I, I was just enlightened on uh, what phase I'm in. And right now I'm in the phase of starting over again. Hmm. So as you grow into the role of entrepreneurship, You'll want to experience other things in life. For me, I, I fell in love. I got married. We bought a, a bigger house and, and did that transition. Now we're filling that house with other family members, i.e. Our, our new daughter. And I am so grateful that I am an entrepreneur because now I can provide the best life for my family and also experience my family at the same time. Mm. And... That is huge because when my daughter was born, I took two months off. Who do you know in anywhere in the world, regardless of what stage of business they're in? Maybe they're not entrepreneurs, but maybe they work for a large company. Maybe they've been working for that company for 10 years. They don't get two months off in a row, but I'm able to do that because I built my business to a point where, where I can step away, experience that, that new chapter and just really be present with my wife and my baby. And I'm so grateful that I was able to do that. Now with my next child, will I take two months off? I don't know. I I think it was a a little bit too long for me, but maybe not for the first one. At least I'm not regretting like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm upset that I went back to work too early, you know? I think it's important to experience everything you want to experience with everything you got. And that's what you did. Like you were in that phase where... You had a new daughter. She's beautiful. She's amazing. You love her. You want to spend as much time as you want with her and you let yourself do that, which likely gave yourself space and almost clarity to do even better in other parts of your life. So I'm curious, actually, you said something that, you know, you're kind of starting over. 
for all intents and purposes, you have a very successful business. So do you ever really start over or are you sort of building on existing habits? And from that frame, you know, how does the, does the fear of failure still come up even though you already have a successful business and has your relationship with fear changed over time now that you have a daughter and different people relying on you in different ways? Yeah. Fear, fear is funny. It shows up and manifests itself in, in different ways now. So like I, I just recently worked through, uh, through the process and through the fear of losing it all. After my daughter was born, I was so scared. Like I have to be like the support pillar, the rock for, for the family and blah, blah, blah. And I was scared to lose it all. But through coaching and through reading and reflection and journaling and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of work, not that much work, but enough work, like there was work involved. I'm able to realize like, well, this is just fear and fear is nothing except a signal and that signal's wrong. And I choose that. And I choose that regardless of any circumstance in my life, I can do anything that I put my mind to. Yeah. Through work, through a lot of self-introspection, it sounds like through journaling and rituals and coaching and trying to find different answers to the same piece that is Alan, you were able to sort of just recognize when fear shows up. So fear doesn't really ever go away in your mind. So it just kind of, it just shows up in different ways. Shows up in different ways. And then it's, like I said, it's a signal. Okay. uh, What am I going to do with this feeling or this emotion? Am I going to act a certain way and be scared and like, box myself in? Or am I going to face the challenge and believe in myself and say, oh, you know what? This is just a signal saying like, times are scary, but are you going to act in the face of of the fear? Do you have any fears that propel you forward in your journey rather than prevent you? So they almost feel like fuel for the fire? Uh, Yeah. To to get deep, like fear that I'm not enough, you know? So there's a little bit of that that keeps me pushing forward. Some will, some may say, or may see that as unhealthy. Some may say, no, that's what got you where you are today. So keep using it. Yeah. But there's a balance, right? I mean, like there's parts of me that I feel like the reasons that I have what I have today and I love what I have today is because of a drive to either prove myself, which is usually something rooted in like an insecurity or fear or something, right? It always is. But I, I think it's cool that you can balance it. And I think that you can, I do think that fear is a very useful emotion. It exists in our bodies for a reason. And I guess, man, I have so many questions around fear for you, especially with just your transitions in life. With your new family and like, as your life has changed in certain ways, how have you seen your own viewpoints on business? Do you have a different purpose in business? And how do you like, I guess, create rituals or kind of go through the, because or go through like a process of understanding and knowing if you're on the right path, especially when life circumstances come in the way and change shit all the time. The first thing that you should ask yourself if you're unsure if you're on the right path or not is like, am I enjoying this? How many days have I woken up and just not have wanted to go go to work or not have wanted to like show up? If that happens too many days in a row, it's time to like have a, gut check with yourself and see what, what the deal is. How has it made me a better business owner? I don't have time to BS, man. I want to spend time with my family. There's been times where I, where you like make excuses that you're busy and you're like working on stuff. 
maybe uh, someone asks you to go out or go out to dinner or something like that. Maybe your spouse or significant other, whoever you're with, is like, hey, are you almost done working? And you're like, oh, no, not yet. Not yet. I, I need to do some more of this. We tend to lie to ourselves in that phase of like, hey, what I'm doing is important. But in reality, um, or at least for me, I realized like a lot of the shit that I was doing didn't matter. And now all I focus on are the things that really pull the lever, that really drive the business forward, that really make the impact with my time and my input. Because if I'm going to show up, I'm not going to flounder on the little stuff anymore. What's a practice you use to actually hone in on those things that are actually going to pull the lever forward, especially with this newfound laser like focus, you know, cause you're already a pretty productive dude. I've always looked at and admired you as somebody who kind of works on 80, 20 of the 80, 20. So how has these external factors in life, like you having clarity on what you actually want to spend your time doing or where you want to be, how has that sort of sharpened your focus? Like what rituals or what things are you doing to actually like double that? It helps that, that we just had a new year and that 2019 is, or 2018 has transitioned to 2019. So with that, I did like a yearly, yearly reflection process. You don't have to wait until the new year to do that. I just chose that milestone as, as the time, especially since I had two weeks off between Christmas and New Year's. And I, I had the freedom to just sit with my thoughts and and reflect on where a lot of my time was going, where, where I'm spending it, how I'm showing up. So that process is reflect on where you are, where you've been for the past 12 months, what went well, what didn't go so well, what were some of your, your successes, what were your failures, what brought you joy, what brought you sadness, and then just say, okay, well, how do I get more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff? Mm. And then based on that, just visualize the future. Visualize where you want to be in three years. Visualize where you want to be in five years. Visualize where you want to be in one year. And based on the data that you just collected, you can now have a better mental visualization of what you want in the future. And the more that you're crystal clear on what it is that you do want, it's so much easier to put a map in place. And now I can write down every day, this is what I'm going for. This is the, these are the big things. This is what, why I'm here. And it's really interesting because I feel like the more you start to do that and the more regularly you do it, right? Like you have these list of things that you really love doing and then these things that you don't love as much, you remove that. And then when you look at it again, now you have these things like a year ago that you love doing and you try finding things you didn't like doing in there and you remove it. It's almost like a natural progression so that or a natural ritual, if you would, that sort of adapts with you so that as your life changes and as things come, you can continue shedding layers of what doesn't serve and continue doubling down on what does. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. But one clarity piece there is like, you're not whittling it down over time because as your life grows and expands and, and you move forward in life, things are going to come, come into place that you didn't experience last year or two years ago or anything like that. Uh, good point. Yeah. That, now that you're doing. So it's not like you're whittling it down over the years to like finally get to this one thing. You're just constantly pruning, constantly pruning. And as branches grow off, you cut off the dead ones and uh, that sprouts something new, you know? Yeah. It's like you you cut off an apple, it falls on the ground, maybe another tree grows or something like that. It's just a consistent 
consistent. And that's the abundance mindset, right? Because if you're consistently doing things and focusing on things and visualizing what you want, you're naturally just bringing in more abundance. And if you're not taking care of the garden, your abundant garden is going to be filled with a lot of things that may not serve or look pretty or give you a beautiful garden. So one thing uh, you and I talk a lot about is the power of uh, relationships and the different things in relationships that either you have to create balance, harmony around, or even just clarity around in, in, in life. So with your own either relationship with your family, relationship with your friends, how do you personally create rituals to foster those things in life? especially when there might be things that are more pressing or maybe there are things that, I mean, for example, on weekends, right? Do you work on weekends? Do you ever bend the line? And if you do, like, what are your thoughts on just harmony versus balance and how does that fit in your own world? My philosophy on quote unquote work-life balance is complete BS. Balance means that the scale needs to be perfectly measured and weighted to provide for your work and provide for your life. I'm sort of the person who believes in just taking that scale and just chucking it as far as you can get it away from you. What is better is to have work-life harmony that is fluid, that one feeds the other and, and it works. They both work together because when you're an entrepreneur when you're a business owner when you're focused on providing value to the world or maybe you're not an entrepreneur but you're an entrepreneur who's working in in the role in the business when you find the work that you love it's going to take up a lot of your time you're going to think about it on the weekends you're going to think about it at night you're going to think about it when you're going to sleep and you're you're like Oh my God, I can't sleep. <laughs> like all this stuff is rattling in your head. Let me tell you, that will impact your life and your relationships. And if you think that when you get home from work or when, you're, when you close the laptop, that work is done, there's no hard line. So how can you blend the two together? How can you bring and share what's going on in work with your family or your friends? Without thinking, oh, no one wants to talk about work. Well, if work's important to you, share the exciting stuff. They don't have to know every detail, but can they know like the big high high level stuff? They may not know exactly what you're doing. Oh, Raj is doing like this coffee thing. I I don't know. Like I'm sure people like your family members said that when you were just starting. You know, so grinder uh, what? Yeah, so like. They don't need to know all the details, but share with them like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, this big thing happened. And then same with your life. I believe that we built such a positive culture within our company is because we gave a shit about our employees and about everybody else. We gave a shit about the things outside of work. Whenever I have a a monthly, I have monthly calls with my employees one-on-one and I do, do not talk about business. I don't talk about anything that's happening with projects or anything internally that they're working on. What I ask them are, how are you? How's the family? How are your children if they have them? How's your husband or how's your boyfriend? What are you doing this weekend? Are you traveling? Anything happening that's exciting coming up? When you talk about their life, it's almost like, oh, well, you know, I, my life is important. 
the reason that I come to work and the reason that I show up at work is so I can provide for my life. And so that I can support my family and go on those vacations and just like pay the bills or what, whatever. So if people show up at work and they don't talk about their life, they feel like it's two separate things. So that's how we cultivate this harmony. And you know what? They're not always going to be balanced. Sometimes, some weeks, some months, maybe work may take precedence, but don't worry because sooner or later, life is going to take precedence and you can't be so hard and fast with, okay, now it's time to close the laptop or close the door on, on work and, and, and transition. Let me ask you this. I love the way you treat your team and your employees, especially with creating that work-life harmony and those conversations. One thing that I personally struggle with is that, you know, like the relationships in my life don't have that type of a work culture, right? So like their bosses, their family, like their teammates aren't doing what you do. And so when they come home, it's almost like a a break between work and play. So how do you manage those types of relationships in your life? And how do you approach them to where uh, you're not forcing them to be a part of your world? You're being empathetic to their needs and what they have, but also not creating something that feels like a burden to yourself. Too many people live in a world where work just sucks (laughs) and they don't feel cared for or appreciated and they just feel like a cog in the wheel. I think the first step to any of that is just show some empathy and just let them know like, hey, I understand like work, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens at work or things that you don't really care for, but maybe you can help shine a light on the good things. Maybe Mm. you could help share uh, a little bit of advice and maybe it's not advice, but it's just being open to listening. Maybe they just want to get home and just vent, be that person that, uh, that is the sounding board and just say, okay, are you better? Do you feel, do you feel a little bit better now that you had a stressful day at, at the office or with a client or something like that? And once you verbalize it and get it out, can we just go on and enjoy our relationship? A lot of that comes back to EQ and being able to meet a person where they're at without judgment and be able to uh, almost sort of navigate where they are and try to get them to a better spot. With my wife, she is a speech language pathologist. Uh, She is a saint. All she cares about is helping people and wants people to get better. Uh, she was working in a facility that was very toxic. Actually, a lot of these facilities, regardless of where you are, are very toxic. Between the mistreatment of patients by the facility themselves, not the actual workers, but like the facility just see the patients as numbers and they're just trying to pump out productivity to some of the, the dynamics inside the facility and the pressure that's on, on these individuals to perform at levels that they don't want to perform at, she would come home and just be like, whooped. My spot was just to be a support pillar for her to make the life side better and to help her see that what she was doing was good and to help hand her the flashlight. So when she did show up at work, she wasn't always looking at like all the negative stuff. It's like, hey, there's always positive things. Let's just focus that spotlight on the positive stuff. I love the focus on positivity. I think that really does fix a lot of things um, in general. 
obviously not everybody can be positive all the time, but when you take an internal responsibility to focus on the glass half full, you start to inadvertently spread that love and happiness just all around you. And I think it's amazing. And what I love, you said EQ, which was really interesting to me. How do you cultivate that emotional intelligence besides practice? I know that just practice in general, being able to try things and then screw up and then maybe make assumptions and then not like life will be a great teacher, but is there anything else you do personally, maybe on a ritual basis to just build better EQ? It, it really is just a process. I've spent years and years and years and hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, investing in myself to be a better person, really developing this, the view of EQ. But what practices do I do to on a daily basis? So I, I have coaches. So I have a coach that we walk through uh, a process to help me be a better communicator, to help me be a better listener, to show up in an authentic way. So I do have a coach. So that's one practice that I, I do. been doing that for two years. That not only helps me in business, I, I really got him to help me be better in business and like lead a team and work with my co-founder and that sort of stuff. But it spills over to work and to life and that helps. One thing that's uh, coming up for me right now is the world actually, whenever they perceive something or hear something, what happens in a nanosecond is they see something or hear something and uh, literally a, a, in a nanosecond, a story is crafted based on what is said. That story then develops an emotional response internally. And then from there, they respond out. They don't respond outward from what you said. They actually respond to the emotion that they're feeling from the story that was crafted to the thing that you said Mm. or did. If you understand that that is how every 100% of the human race operates that way. If you understand that whenever you say something and you see someone react towards you based on that, say, okay, wait, maybe what I just said triggered a story that caused that response. Hmm. How can I change what I said to help them see, see the story in a different light? How do you know what story they're telling? Ah, sometimes you can just ask them. A lot of times I'll say, what's going on for you right now? That's a, that's a great segue. Based on what I just said, what's going on for you right now? Maybe you'll see like a facial expression or, or just like their whole demeanor changes. And it's like, okay, wait. Something, something happened here, something changed. Based on what I just said, what's going on for you right now? And that opens up the door to a deeper dialogue. How else do you know what story they said? So for people who understand you and uh, people that you communicate with often, I just straight up ask them, what story did you just tell yourself based on this? Which is tough because uh, it's saying like uh, someone's having a subconscious reaction to what you said, and people don't like to not be in control. But over time, as you build authentic relationships and people, uh, and you can have difficult conversations, you can go right to the heart of the matter and just say, what story did you just say to yourself based on what I said? Boom, baby. That's what, that's what it is. So by practicing this, this practice with people and allowing them to go deep, so having real authentic, vulnerable conversations with this framework, 
mm-hmm. allows you then to just build a better representation of how people are reacting to what you're saying so that when you're around others who you may not be as comfortable interacting in this vulnerable and authentic way with, you then can almost read them without actually asking them what story they're telling themselves. Absolutely. Mm, I love that, dude. That's a huge reason to have authentic relationships in your life because now it's not just for joy or comfort or happiness. It's also just to better yourself. Like when you're having real honest conversations with people, this is an opportunity to just learn more about yourself, to ask questions you've always wanted to ask and just be better at being human. Dude, I love that. God, you're making me feel better for just being a human right now by asking you all these questions. (laughs) I just feel like an awesome human being. That is, that's an amazing way to look at it, man. Uh, And I love that. And I see it in you. I mean, I've seen, I think in the last couple of years, I've seen your own relational ability especially with the way you've built best self and, 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 and with the way just everything is going for you. I mean, I love it, man. I, and I think this is brilliant. Can I give a quick tip to your audience? Please. I love deep conversations. I hate conversations that are like, Oh, the weather, uh, the sports team. Uh, you know, like, I don't know why I just did that voice, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd rather like talk about what people really care about. And whenever I meet somebody new, I asked them, what makes your heart sing? It's uncomfortable in the beginning because not many people ask that. A lot of people ask, oh, hey, so-and-so, what do you do? And I don't really care about what people do. I do to an extent as long as they care. But I really want to know why they're doing what they're doing. And the quickest way to get there is just to say, what makes your heart sing? Raj, what makes your heart sing? What makes my heart sing? Having incredible conversations with people like you who stretch my mind, stretch my heart, and stretch my own capacity to share. Which is why podcasting is a great job for me in general. What other questions do you ask, man? Like, Because I love... One, I love just how soft and approachable that question is. It doesn't seem threatening. Like Sometimes when somebody asks, like, like if somebody went up to somebody who has no idea really about any type of... like, If, ne- if they've never been asked a question before and you go up and be like, why do you do what you do? Or what do you want out of your life? Like, those are the questions that I feel like are more conventionally passed around, but yours was so playful. Do you have any other playful questions that you personally have either been asked or ask others when you're starting to get to know them? That's my go-to. That's a, that's like my one that, that I use. I don't have like a slew of them, <laughs> um, <laughs> like an arsenal of questions. What was that game we played a little while back? The Rosebud Thorn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. What is what is that? I, I remember us playing. I remember really liking it. Could you explain what that is to, to folks? I will do my best. I wasn't the one to initiate that. But because we did it together, uh, we could both probably articulate it yeah. uh, in a way to help your audience. <laughs> Whenever you're sitting around a circle or maybe just talking one-on-one, if you want to really find out what, what someone's about really quickly by asking three simple questions, you could just say, hey, let's uh, let's ask... What we did, they called it Rosebud Thorn. Now, you don't have to lead with that preference or that, that opening, but you could carry that from just knowing what the questions are. So, Rose, what's a rose in your life? So, what's going really, really well that you just love doing or that's just filling you with joy? What's budding, so a bud, what's budding right now or something that you're excited about that, that's not there yet, but 
you're just either starting or you're just, uh, you're really excited about, you maybe not, you don't know which avenue to take and you're just gathering research right now, or you read something in a book that was interesting, that would be Bud. And then Thorn would be, what's not going well so right, right now? What are some hurdles that you're, that you're experiencing? What's just causing a lot of problems in your life? You don't have to open it up with Rose, Bud, and Thorn, but you could say, Hey, what's going, what's going really well for you? What do you, what do you really, what fills you up today? And then later on in the conversation, what, what are you working on now? Or what, what are you excited about? Any big projects? And then later on in the conversation, you know, this, this conversation is great, but where could I help you? What, what, what are some of the challenges that you're facing? I love that, man. And I love the rosebud thorn. I remember, I remember doing that together. And what, love, what I love most about that relationship building tool is that it perfectly sets you up to give value afterwards. Like you're in that position where now you know what they're working on, you know where they're stuck, you know where they might be feeling happy or a thorn, for lack of a better word. Now you can come in and say, hey, I may be able to help you. And when you're always in that give, give, give mindset, you start to really build relationships that then allow more rosebud thorn conversations or more what makes your heart sing conversations or more relationships that actually lead to uh, fulfillment and, and, and building a better representation of what you are and what you're about. Some good stuff here. Good, good, good stuff here. Um, dude, I, I think what else I want to ask you, I've seen you sort of transition, right? Like I've seen you transition from just hustler, hustler, hustler to conscious hustler to then like loving family man while also being a hustler to, I've just seen kind of this transition and I think it's fascinating how gracefully pun intended for your daughter's name, but gracefully you're sort of like navigating these waters. Do you have any tips for people who might be sort of on the cusp of change or, or, or might be anticipating different things happening in their life and are sort of scared of what change may mean for their realities, just based on somebody who's been experiencing so much change in the last couple of years. Change is great. Change is exciting. Change is scary. But what happens uh, on the other side of scary is amazingness. I'm a proponent of embracing change, not for the sake of change itself. Like there's no reason to say like, everything's going great. Time to throw it all away. There are some organizations out there that do that. I don't believe in that, but I also believe in like, hey, what we're doing now is good, but let's try to level this up. If that means we have to change in order to level up and do more and experience more and be more and live a life of massive abundance, then change needs to occur. How much do you think change happens within and how much do you think change happens around you? Starts within and it goes externally. Not to get too woo-woo, but everything happens at a, an energy level. Based on the energy level, then atoms change internally, then cells change, then organs change, then your body changes, then you change the world around you. Do you ever think that those atoms and those energy forces around you have the same amount of impact on you? Yeah, yeah, they do. So environment's big. I mean, think about it. If you're in a negative environment all the time, it's really hard to be a positive person and show up every day and like always see the cup half full. So yes, 
But what will win 100% of the time is if you just focus on the internal aspect. Because the internal aspect creates the external perception, if you would. And you know what's great? It's like when you show up and you just like... So I went to a conference this past week and like some guy came up to me and he's like, Alan, you're very Zen. I was like, what? (laughs) I'm Zen? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, just give me some of that. I just want to be around you. (laughs) I just want to feed off of it. So like your internal environment will change the way people show up around you, will change the way things look and feel to not only yourself, but to other people as well. Yeah. Big, big fan of that in in many, many ways. It's kind of like one of those, uh, is that great book, Pitch Anything? The sales book by Orrin Clough. And he talks about if you walk into a room just like full of energy, ultimately everyone in the room starts flowing with your energy, which leads to more sales and everything. I mean, it's just... If you think Raj and I are lying right now, go out in public and smile at a stranger. Nine times out of 10, they're going to smile back, right? I mean, don't do it creepily because then they'll run away. But like, just go out there and give them a smile. Maybe not in New York, dude. (laughs) Try that in New York. It doesn't really work as well as it may in like Austin, Texas. (laughs) I have a a question uh, from the audience, actually. So your, your EQ, how did building your EQ in your business directly translate over or an example of how it translated over to directly building or leveraging EQ to have better relationships? Those monthly calls that I that we have with my employees to find out what's going on in, the, in their life, that's intentional. That's a system that has been created to cultivate a deeper relationship with my employees. I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Well, how come I'm not doing this in my personal life? We all fall into the trap of like, oh, that's so-and-so. Whenever... Uh, whenever we get together, we're like, we just kick off right where we left off last time we met. We're good pals. We're good friends. Um, but the thing is, like, people change pretty rapidly. If you don't talk to someone for three months and then you text them out of the blue or get together in person, a lot of it could have happened in those three months that you weren't a part of. And you really don't know. You only know what that person or about that person from three months ago. Yeah. I realized that and ended up saying, okay, well, how can I translate what I'm doing in my business from an EQ level, trying to understand my employees more, build the system of like scheduling calls with them and doing in-person meetups uh, twice a year. Like we fly everybody from all over the world to be in person for a long weekend in crazy places. And it's really great at bonding and really solidifying the team. Like, why don't I do this in my personal life? Yep. So now schedule call with friends, meet up in person uh, on a regular cadence. Yeah. Um, And what you'll find is that those relationships will deepen. And for that reason, I second that a hundred percent. I mean, if you're, see, it's one of those things, if you can, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. And once you see something that brings a positive result in one area of your life, you're going to try applying it to every part of your life. That can be a good and bad thing. You know, like if you're trying to go really fast in business and you see it bringing you all this, this riches, you might try going really fast in relationships that might not work all the time. But ultimately, when you find something from a relational standpoint, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I mean, I go as far as like, I'm actually not the best responder to texts immediately, 
but I will go and like, if I'm thinking of somebody, I'll just send them a text. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, thinking about you, hope you're doing okay. And something as simple as that actually goes a level further to just let people know that they're being thought of. And I think when you think about emotional intelligence, you start to get to this point where, how would I want to be treated? Like if I got a text from a friend being like, yo, dude, just thinking about you. Um, hope you're doing well. I know you're super busy whenever you, whenever you feel it, just hop on a call. If I receive that, it doesn't matter if I actually hop on a call with the person, I'm going to feel good in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to associate this person with a positive feeling. So I think that just on that note, I think there's so much you can do if you know what makes you feel good from a friend standpoint, from a communication standpoint. Even just using that to go one step further is a great way to cross stream emotional intelligence. We got another question for you. After being a father, how has it changed how you see the world and how you live your life? The first thing that comes to mind is I didn't know human beings could love so much. When my daughter was born, the best way for me to describe it is like, you've been living in this house and that house is your heart and the baby's born. And all of a sudden, after 30 years, you find a secret trap door in this house that opens up into a mansion basement filled of love. And it's like, oh my God, I didn't even know this was here. So that changed how I see the world and like how parents see their children. Like it's a level of love on Unreal. I think uh, the world changes a little bit with what it is that we're focused on and where we're putting the time and attention. So like, for example, we're having conversations now with about things that we've never had conversations on. We being my, my wife and I. Where are we going to send her to school? What, what are our options? Oh, wow, I really don't like any of our options with the school system. How do we change that? And now it's like, okay, it, it just changes the, the conversation. I think I'm more forgiving. So before I had a baby, I employed people who had babies. And I just poo-pooed the responsibility. Oh, so what? You got a kid. Like, but yeah. now I understand like, oh, you have a kid. That's some big responsibility. I get it. Your empathy, man. You just, like you said, you found that mansion of love Mm -hmm. and that love transforms into a practical use through empathy. And, and I think that's, that's, that's brilliant. A couple more questions for you, man. You guys have a lot of questions. One. uh, So we have a couple of people that are actually best self journal users. Yeah. 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 So, so, so we got some, we got some fans over here. So one is specific to journaling. And I, I wish I could just actually, I want to actually spend some time with you just actually talking about journaling because I think that you of all people have actually a lot of insights on that. So the best self journal helps us keep us focused on our goals. How would you suggest we incorporate more general commentary about everyday events into journaling? So I think what I mean, the best self journal is meant to keep us very, it's, it's, it's got a targeted purpose. How do you leverage the journal or maybe even the concept of journaling more than just using it to keep you focused on goals? Great question. You don't have to be focused on goals with journaling, but how the self journal is structured is to be, this is the way that I look at it. It's just to be more accountable for your time. What happens is we get to the end of the day and we just feel like, wow, what the heck did I do today? I, I don't know. Like I felt like, I guess I did some stuff, but I'm not really sure what stuff it was. This is why I created the journal because I, I 
wanted to know what the heck am I spending my time on and where can I spend my time most effectively? And what I found was there's this crazy stuff called white space throughout the day. So between this meeting and this podcast call, maybe there's two hours of white space where before, before I saw that and could see it in front of me on paper, I may have just wasted that time thinking to myself, oh, well, I just got off this call. Oh, well, I got Raj in like a, a couple minutes, you know, I'm just going to like maybe make some lunch or, or just do something else because I really don't have that much time. But now I can see it. I'm like, whoa, there's a, there's a block of white space here. What can I fit in? Mm. What, can I, what can I put in here? Now, caveat, a little asterisk, a little star, doesn't always have to be work. Wouldn't it be great if you could block your day and just say, wow, look at all this free time that I have to start a hobby or learn a second language or just go for a walk or have some fun, like schedule some free time in your day. And if you're intentional with where you're spending your free time, then what happens is you get to the end of the week and you don't feel like, oh my God, I didn't have any free time this week. I'm exhausted. No, you've scheduled it throughout the week already and you can start living that work-life harmony. Yeah. I love that. And I think, uh, just then I want to expand, get you some more, get some more insight on this specific topic. So I'm an avid journaler and there's a lot that I do. Like I'll journal whether it's like planning my day, maybe it's sometimes it's stuff I'm grateful for. Other times it's just brain dumped thoughts. Like I'm anxious about something and I just need to write it out and get all that out of my, my system. Maybe I have an idea that I need to flesh out. So when you have all of these different elements of journaling, uh, it can feel a little overwhelming. So what elements of daily journaling would you say are must do and, and why? You have to write down your goals every day. What that does, that triggers your reticular activation system. This is based on science and facts and it's proven. So if, if it's proven, why not do it, right? Yeah. Uh, if you write down your goal every day, literally pen and paper, it doesn't work if you type it into a phone, pen and paper, write down your goals that you want to achieve and when you want to achieve them by, be as specific as possible. What you'll do throughout the day, your subconscious system, your reticular activating system actually, will pick up on these little nuances that may have been glossed over before that will help you get closer to those goals. The next thing that uh, I'm a huge proponent of is I know we put in space, if you're a self-journal user, uh, in the morning and in the evening to write down three things that you're grateful for. But I actually haven't been writing down three things that I'm grateful for in many years. What I do instead is write down one thing that I'm grateful for and then three reasons why. Yeah. Because what would happen would be, I would get, I wake up and I'd get to that morning section and I'd write down, you know, the same three things over and over and over again, and just like not really feel the sense of gratitude. And that's really what, what you're trying to cultivate. So write down one thing that you're grateful for, and then three reasons why will really focus on that thing and really help you feel the gratitude of either having or experiencing that thing. And then you can fill the rest of your day with that, with that feeling. Also, sometimes some other things that you can write down, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, like I, the only way that I can describe this feeling is like, ah, you know, 
<laughs> and towards the end of 2018, that's the way that I was feeling. It felt like I had no control of, over everything. I had these big goals that I wanted to hit in 2018 that I set out for myself in the beginning of the year, had a baby that changed course that changed me off course a little bit. Uh, and I was really hooked on like this external goals that I had for myself. And like, I'm like, why am I not there? How come, like, what is going on? Blah, blah, blah. And I would just get really anxious about the whole thing, about all aspects of my life. What I decided to do in addition to the morning gratitude was say, to myself, okay, in order to reduce my anxiety, reduce the overwhelm that I have on a daily basis, let me write down three things that I can control today that I have direct inputs on. And maybe one of those things that I have control over is drinking this cup of coffee and spending the next three minutes drinking this cup of coffee. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that I choose to cancel this meeting because I don't have enough time and I get to do that. Maybe it's I get to choose to reply to this email. And if you just write down the three things that you have control over in the day, once you get done with the day, you'll see that, okay, I'm focusing on the things that I can control and I'm less anxious and worried about the end result or the outcome or the things I can't control, which cause a lot of overwhelm. Yeah, it just changes your focus. I love the the choice piece. Uh, I remember we used to do this in our team meetings. I don't know why we stopped. I might have to bring it back, but we would start each team meeting with why I choose to be here. It was such a powerful shift because it was essentially because, you know, we think about Monday mornings. That's when our team meetings were our weekly team meetings. Most people dread coming to work on Mondays. So mm-hmm. if we were able to change that voice from I have to be here at work to I choose to be here it just creates a whole new lens to look at work through. And that creates a lot of positive emotions that people get to take with them throughout their day or throughout their week or whatever they're doing. So I love that, man. I think it's, that's, that's, that's brilliant. I'm big, big, big fan. I just wrote down uh, why I choose to be here. We might ask that in, uh, uh, in our team meetings. I love it, dude. Let me know how that goes. That sounds amazing. All righty, Alan, I feel like I've taken up a whole bunch of your time. I am grateful for all of it. Uh, So I have one last question for you. So you were on the show way early. And I remember the first time we did this, I asked you, how do you stay grounded? And so I know how you stay grounded based on your answer before. But what I want to know is just with your life changing, with you going through these different chapters in your life, as your business grows and scales and life grows and scales, how has your definition of staying grounded changed? Like what does staying grounded mean to you? Today, right this second, and I think it's because I just got back from this conference yesterday. uh, So that's influencing my thought on what it means to stay grounded is, uh, is not as big as you think you are. And it's almost like, Staying grounded means like being humble right now to me. It's like once you think you're like you, you've got it, you've made it, and you're like you're, you're this big shot. I'm not saying that you have to act like a big shot, but it's like, oh, yeah, like I'm doing really great things and I'm doing big things and this and that. Right now, for me, the definition is staying humble and realizing that you're not doing things that big. Maybe it's big in your circles, but it's not big in other circles. 
How does your daughter help you stay grounded? It's almost like she's a magician, dude. I, I swear. It, it's unreal. Literally every waking moment of my life, I'm either thinking about the future. Like, okay, what do I need to get done? What's happening? What's happening in a couple of months? Like product launches, team, this podcast, you're like always like the wheels are turning, right? In the future. Sometimes things are happening in the past. Like, okay, let's, let's figure out what happened with this launch. What, what could we do better? Let's reflect back on the last quarter and see, you know, what levers we can pull moving forward. What were the lessons learned? What are the things to do again? And like, it's always on, man. When I am with my daughter, it's like someone hits a light switch and I have none of those thoughts. <laughs> I, I swear, I have no idea. It's just like brings me 100% present. It's incredible. Like I said, I'd have no idea how she does it. It just happens. And like, I'm not worried about anything. Not past, not the present. I am or not the past, not the future. I'm just locked in that present moment. Oh, that, that's how my daughter keeps you grounded. That's amazing, man. In all of it, everything. Dude, I'm so, I love you. You, you are uh, just an amazing human being. And I'm very grateful that one, you're here. And, and two, just that I, I got to be a fly on the wall in my own conversation. Like, cause I felt <laughs> like I was learning just as much as I was asking. And um, so I'm very grateful for you. So thank you for just being you. Thanks, man. Love you too. Can't wait to spend the weekend with you. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, guys, uh, that's a wrap for uh, this amazing episode with Mr. Alan Brower. I'm your host, Raj. Here's your friend, Alan. And from us, stay grounded. We'll see you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.